Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, a special guest today on this Sunday, uh, Rod Babers, uh, former Longhorn, former NFL player, uh, giving us the hook'em there. Uh, Rod, welcome in. You you join me each and every week after uh, the season on our post game show this past year. That's of right. course, you played defensive back at Texas as well, and I thought that uh, maybe the fans wanted to go a little deeper on the secondary this year. Uh, and because I really felt like uh, after the spring game and going into the spring even, I felt like there were a number of questions about the secondary, but they were very positive ones in some regard, right? So it's a positive outlook back there. They look like a full unit. What were your, what were your initial takeaways from the spring game and watching those guys? Uh, yeah, and honestly, I like the secondary too, man. I think they're, I think they're pretty deep in the secondary. Uh, first of all, I, I do think just – looking at it from last year and just trying to see bridge it to the spring game. I do think their biggest issue last season was trying to solidify that field corner spot. Um, they, tr they trust and love Ryan Watts at the boundary corner and, uh, they, and, and to kind of get to the point of how much they trust him. They actually don't give him a lot of help uh, during the season. They actually want him to line up on that boundary side. He does a great job getting physical at the line of scrimmage. Uh, I think he's got some, some tight hips. So once you get downfield with him, I think he's a little bit vulnerable uh, to some of those stop routes and um, maybe some of those end cuts downfield. But honestly, a lot of time he counsels out the receiver. And by the time the quarterback tries to get through these progressions, he's already looking uh, to the other side of the field because Ryan Watts is really good at the line of scrimmage initially. Now they want to play more man coverage last year, Texas, probably played 15 20 percent man coverage they play a lot of uh pattern match kind of cover four match quarters uh which is basically a zone that becomes a man coverage depending on when the receiver declares into your zone it basically deteriorates into a man coverage so they're going to play a lot of so either way they're going to play a lot of man coverage and they want the, the the field corner to be able to match up man to man and even at times play bump and run if it's appropriate, depending on the formation, depending on the down, the distance, and the situation. Last year with Deshaun Jameson, I love me some Deshaun Jameson. He's from DB High. All right, Houston Lamar, shout out. Uh, but he wasn't really dependable playing man coverage. They trusted him more in zone coverage. He was great at being able to kind of triangulate number one, number two, and the quarterback and had great field vision. Um, now they want to want to get rid of, they want to sacrifice that, and they want a guy that can just straight up be able to lock somebody down. And they also want to play more bump and run coverage on the field side not just the boundary side Ryan Watts was always in bump and run coverage as much as he could be they want to play it on the field side too and even potentially play it in the slot that's why they love Jade Barron and Jade Barron is just uh, I, I think that guy is one of the best defenders in the Big 12. I think he's going to be an all-Big 12 defender uh, this upcoming year. But getting back to the field corner, I think Terrence Brooks and Gavin Holmes, that's why they got the insurance policy going through the transfer portal, go get the Wake Forest product. They figure these two guys – and, and maybe throw in Austin Jordan and a couple other guys in there, they should be able out of that group to find someone who's dependable and trustworthy enough that they can put them on that field side corner and play man to man. Sark has already told us, told us last year, I want to play more man to man coverage. I want to be able to devote that extra defender in the box to help with the run game, stop the run, to blitz, whatever they want to do creatively with that extra plus one. And the only way you can do that is to play man-to-man -man coverage. Nick Saban, who was one of the, you know, the mentors of Sark, famously always said the best coverage is man-to-man -man coverage. The problem is everybody can't play man-to-man -man coverage. Only a few guys can do it. And, and the schools like Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia and LSU, all right, they have kind of monopolized that talent 
And Texas has the ability to recruit those types of athletes. So that's what they want to do. And this year, that's going to be, to me, the next step for the secondary. Can they play man-to-man across the board? I think they can do it on the, the boundary side. I think they can do it at the nickel spot. They want to see if they can do it at the field corner. Rod, what is the value of that, though? So, oh. so, it, it, so yeah. in other words, give people a feel for, okay, you find Terrence Brooks or Gavin Holmes, uh, the transfer from Wake Forest, who started two years at Wake. Uh, those opportunities, what does that do for the defense? I mean, what's the benefit? Yeah, I mean, because basically, you know, uh, a lot of the time last year, and I said a lot of the time, sometime last year, they were protecting that field corner. Now, if you're protecting any part of your defense, you have to uh, go out of your way to allocate resources. If you're allocating resources, you only got so many, you only got 11 guys. So if I got to protect that field corner, put a safety over the top to make sure or to, uh, you know, roll coverage, toward that 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 field side that's gonna make me vulnerable that's where and you saw it last year honestly with ryan watch ryan watch is a i, I love him as the boundary corner and he's really physical but uh they were able to take advantage of him. essentially it's a 50 50 ball over there uh when you're going against ryan watch so at times you put your best receiver over there and say all right you know what let's just go and a lot of their, those cuts were like inside cuts for those guys right uh, i got some numbers on inside cuts that'll just blow your mind um but getting back to it if you have to protect that field corner you're going to be you're going to be vulnerable elsewhere and that's why texas was vulnerable elsewhere i think even uh the middle of the field at times right in between the numbers they were vulnerable i think a lot of this it was designed to try to protect that field corner from being exploited if you don't have to protect that guy and you can you can trust those corners to be locked up man to man you're going to have plus ones across your defense you're going to be able to devote an extra man in the box for the run game or an extra guy to blitz pressure the quarterback off the edge wherever you want to move that guy so it just gives you more flexibility more versatility if you just have guys that can lock up when i was playing with quentin jammer uh and nathan basher in that back end and uh you know we had really good dbs across the board that can play man-to-man coverage and lock up and this is the one of the beautiful things about having a safety that can also play a lot of good man-to-man coverage last year was anthony cook who's coming from corner he can play uh he can play in the slot and actually you know cover a guy and it wouldn't be a liability in coverage uh this year a guy like keaton crawford who we've heard a ton about Coming from corner, now playing safety, he's got a ton of speed. He offers you the very same element where you can even match up with the safeties, potentially, with uh, slot uh, offensive players or tight ends in the slot, and still there would not be a drop-off and you won't be a liability. So it just gives you so much flexibility, man. Band coverage, as Nick Saban said, it's the greatest coverage you can play. The problem is everybody can't play it. And even matching up with RPOs these days, there's pretty much across the board uh, unanimity that the best way to defend RPOs is just guys that can play man-to-man coverage. The problem is you don't have a lot of defenders that can do it and be dependable doing it. Yeah, and and when you come up against great wide receivers and quarterback play, all of a sudden you're in it. You know, Rod, uh, one other thing, just thinking back to it, um, does it help third and long? if you if you play more man coverage because it, especially to the field because it felt like Texas got picked on on those third and four third and five and then third and seven or eight I mean Iowa State I, I think what did they convert seven or eight of those I mean oh uh, yeah what what does what does that help with if you're able to do that and, and is that the answer so to speak. 
Yeah, that's that's a great point you bring that up, right? Because last year when Texas started to play more man-to-man coverage and they wanted to play more bump and run, we saw it early in the season and teams had an adjustment in the counter. That's why you love the chess match within the game. So when Texas wanted to play more man-to-man coverage, teams went to bunch formations. At Iowa State, you just brought it up, Iowa State had a ton of bunch formations, those compressed sets, tight twins. And what that does is it forces Texas wants to reroute route receivers. Well, when you're in bunch and you're in compressed sets as a DB, I, I, I can't really focus on rerouting the wide receiver. I have to focus on being able to read and react because I got to read that number two. Uh, I got to read that other receiver, which is going to be really – it could end up uh, putting me in a position where I'm either in a pick I'm either picked by another DB, a pick route, or what they call a rub route, whatever you want to say. So the DBs have to get on levels. So you can almost guarantee that one of those DBs, if you're going to be in a bunch set, is not going to be playing bump and run. All right. And then once you have that, then you can start to manipulate the coverage and manipulate what we call the tango, which is when DBs are trying to pass off receivers, once playing outside, once playing inside. And Texas last year got caught up a ton in miscommunications. Right. Uh, where, where they basically had switch releases downfield and Texas was playing either a man coverage where they were trying to pass off routes in a tango or they were playing uh, match quarters, which I just told you it deteriorates into a man concept anyway. And there was a miscommunication late on those switch routes. So basically, if you want to combat Texas and counter Texas and keep them from playing a lot of bump and run, you want to play a lot of bunch formations. And I even got the numbers. The bunch formations versus Texas from Alabama, they completed 81% of their passes uh, out of bunch formations. Tech was at 70%. Uh, Iowa State was at 86%. So that was the key. If you can get in bunch formations, it made you a lot more effective against Texas man-to-man principles because they couldn't get their hands on the receivers and they couldn't reroute them. Another thing is empty formation. Uh, and strangely enough, empty formation worked really early against Texas because you can stay away from their best cover guys. All right. And then you can kind of isolate the weakest you know, coverage defenders. And that's why teams were really effective with empty. It also Texas last year, their two biggest strengths on defense are what their run stopping ability. They were one of the best uh, run stuffing defenses in all of college football. And they're one of the best pressure uh, defenses in all of college football. They were second behind Clemson, I believe, in pressures. Didn't always convert into sacks, but they still were really good at pressuring the opposing quarterback. Well, empty forces the, the the time clock of the quarterback to speed up. So the ball's going to be out quick. And I don't have to worry about your run-stopping defense because we ain't running the rock. Or it's going to be an unconditional running game with the quarterback and a plus one. So there are a couple of concepts that I think Texas this year, if they want to continue to be an elite man coverage team and they want to play bump and run, physical coverage on the outside, they're going to have to find solutions for empty formations, solutions for the bunch formations, and solutions for those those switch releases uh, of those receivers late in their route combinations. That's interesting. Uh, speaking with Rod Babers, former Longhorn, former NFL player as well, uh, and a longtime friend. Uh, this is on Texas Football. Rod, uh, let's let's take a step back and talk about the individuals in the secondary. Okay. Uh, we've talked about the, the, the uh, larger piece of it. Um, you mentioned you like Ryan Watts and his ability. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Jaron Thompson, the safety out of Lufkin, uh, going into a senior year last year in Austin, most likely. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Uh, he was kind of a natural uh, cover man. I mean, as a safety, uh, you can look at his coverage grades. They were really good uh, even a couple of years ago as a coverage defender as a safety. Where he struggled was in the open field, tackling in the open field, being physical enough to be a guy you can trust coming down in the box in run fits 
uh, last season, he did a great job, I thought, uh, being a guy that can come down, bring uh, bring the hammer in the run game. Um, hell, even a couple of times, I mean, the Alabama game, I believe, man, he knocked some guys out of the game. Uh, he came down with such brute force. So he's a guy that can bring force in the running game, but also he's dependable in the passing game. So I love me some Jaron Thompson. He's dependable. Uh, and now I think he's going to end up being a leader for you. That's going to be big with this group, too, man. A lot of leadership was lost last season. I, I'm not worried about the talent drop off, but leadership. I mean, Anthony Cook was a leader in that secondary. Uh, say what you want about Deshaun Jameson, man. The Shark was around for a while. He was a leader. DeMarvion Overshone was a leader. Colburn was, uh, you know, he's an OG on that defense line, been around for a while. Ojimo, we know him, outspoken leader. So leadership is something I'm a little concerned about, but just kind of walking it back to Jaron Thompson, I do think Jaron Thompson is going to end up having a great year. I mean, this is a guy at this point who knows the system, knows the terminology really well. I mean, you got another guy coming in, Jalen Catalan. Maybe he doesn't know the system as well, but his talent level is just through the roof. And maybe Keen Crawford's another guy that's going to get some playing time. Um, but this is a guy that's switching positions. So I don't think anybody's going to be as more, as comfortable in that secondary this year as Jaron Thompson's been. Um, he should be one of your leaders, one of your vocal leaders, and he should be a stabilizing force in that secondary. Here, here's the thing that I would ask. Um, and he felt like like the guy last year that was the communicator. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Does that make sense? Like he was the guy that communicated the defense, got everybody where yep. they needed to be. Um, you know, theoretically, Jade Barron is back. Ryan Watts is back. They have more experience on the field now from a starter perspective because Barron had only started one game entering last year. Ryan Watts was off of another team. Yeah. Uh, Deshaun Jamison was the only returning starter. Uh, and Anthony Cook was moving positions. Yep. So it's it's a new year. And I feel like that that value that that Thompson had of getting people lined up, it's going to be minimized somewhat, but I still think it's good that you have somebody that's back there that knows where everybody else is really supposed to be, too. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, that's the football IQ, right? That Sark kept talking about that he wanted to improve all throughout the team and all throughout the roster. He wanted the football IQ to improve. He's one of those guys that I think epitomizes that. His football IQ at this point, I think, definitely accelerated the overall trajectory of the, the secondary last season. And I think it'll help out a guy like Jalen Catalan. Right. That's I think it's going to now expedite his development and his transition whenever he comes in. I know he's uh, dealing with some uh, injuries, so he didn't really participate in the spring, but he didn't have to prove anything. <laughs> you know, you would watch a little Jalen Catlett film and, and you get it. So I think even for him, who, who's obviously his instincts are amazing and he's got going to play on Sundays. He's got a Sunday skill set, but still it, being able to acclimate to the system and the terminology and everything. Those guys will have their own language that they're speaking on the field. And I think that's going to help out Jalen Catlett on a ton. 
You mentioned uh, you really like Jade Barron. Okay, what, oh, what is it about Jade Barron that that gets you excited that he's a Longhorn? Uh, you know, first of all, playing that nickel, I've said it for years. I, I think nickel might be the toughest position to play as a Big Twelve defender. And when you're just thinking about all the different responsibilities uh, and different uh, tasks that you're asked to accomplish as a nickel, your skill set's got to be so versatile. You're going to be a blitzer at times. Uh, sometimes you got to be uh, the run support. Uh, yeah, you're going to play man to man. Sometimes it's going to need you to play zone. You're also a part of the pre snap disguise a lot of the times. So you got to be really, really keen on your alignment, your assignment. I played the nickel my first year at Texas. I played the nickel before I moved to corner. And go look at the lineage of that nickel position. Go look at it since Rod B played it. Everybody who's played that nickel, man, they end up playing on Sundays. They end up getting a shot at it at least. It's just something because if you can play that position and you can hold on to that position and not end up being demoted or benched, I'm telling you, in the Big 12, it will test you. It will test it and it will show if you are if you are a baller, it will showcase every bit of your skill set at nickel. And today, Baron, we saw it last year. I mean, the fact I can't think of a wide receiver screen that actually was completed successfully against them. And I know there had to be one, but how many times do we see them try to complete a screen or one of those quick game passes, the smokes against them, and he just comes down and eats it alive. And I kept wondering, somebody's going to hit him with a double move. They got to they gotta go, you know, a screen and go, hitch and go. Uh, we didn't really see that much, I think, next year because he's so aggressive. And because he's – and this is one of the guys – I know this for a fact. I can see it just based on the film set of Jaday Barrett. Because I remember these kind of guys. When I watched film, and I was great at watching film, I was great at finding the tendencies and the trends and all this kind of stuff. I at, in games, I was so upset with myself. I would see, I would see the the key. I would see the cue for me. Uh, whether it was they were in twins and it was third and six, and they love the double slant. I would see it would all. I would be processing at the time, and, and I wouldn't believe it. I wouldn't. I would. I didn't have enough confidence in myself to say this is double slant. Every this is like eighty percent chance they're going to run double slant here. I'm jumping it. I'm gone. <laughs> Nathan Basher would do that. I, I didn't trust myself enough, so I'm going to play it. I'm going to play it straight, and it would be a double slant. And I'd be on it, and I'd, I'd stop it probably for just a, a minimal gain. But, man, if I'd have believed in my film study and trusted my instincts, probably would have been to the house with that slant. <laughs> that, that's Jade Barron. Well, I probably would have dropped it, let's be honest. But still, <laughs> <laughs> but that's Jade Barron. When I watch him, I'm watching a guy. I know his, he's, he's doing the film study, and when he sees it, when he sees the, you know, the, the cue or the key that he got from his film study or that little clue, he jumps on it, man. And I, I think teams will start using it against him because he's really aggressive. I would. But, man, that's the guy that I'm telling you, he is confident in his instincts and confident in his film study and preparation. That's what I see. And it, obviously, he's got the skill to do it, too. So I, I love Mr. J. Jaday Barron, man. I think he's going to be an All Big Twelve defender, no question. This year, I really he probably could have been this year if you were to want to be nitpicky, but I think he will be next season. We did not see much of Gavin Holmes in the spring game, really. I mean, he wasn't tested. He made one break, pass breakup on Jonte Cook on a rollout from Arch Manning. Uh, Terrence Brooks played a little bit more. You're a little bit more familiar with him, yeah. Um, uh, and, and I know that you absolutely loved what he did against Washington uh, in the Alamo Bowl. You were like jumping up and down a little bit about that. So, you know, is, is this secondary those uh, with those guys coming, is this the best Texas secondary you remember since when? I mean, cause I, I, I looked out there and I'm like, look, they're good up front. I think with Jalen Ford manning one of the linebacker spots and then the secondary, I think is just solid. Um, it, is. it, it has the makings of a, a really strong secondary and a really strong, 
defense all, overall. You know what? It was it. Um, that 2017 secondary wasn't bad. Was that it? It was. Was that Holden Hill? That if Holden Hill didn't get Hill it, and Boyd, yeah, right, yeah, you know, yeah. Deshaun Elliott is that Elliott on that yep. group? That Payton. was, yep. yeah, that Payton. was a nice. I remember they kept rotating all the different D, uh nickels that year. We had like four different nickels. We had Antoine Davis, I believe, played some nickel. Uh, uh, what's the other guy? Jason Hall. Jason Hall plays. You had like three different guys play nickel that year, and they're pretty good. Remember, and this is another thing I'll, I want to know too from you, if you think since they're so deep, because I know we'll get to. uh the, the secondary and say what, what did you just ask me before that about um I, I i was asking you like what how good do you think that they are do you think I, they're good enough to to like i guess my point and everybody is talking oh well texas should win the big 12 or should compete for the big 12 at the very least do you agree with that assessment essentially and yes and based on overall defense and based on the secondary in particular yes the secondary in particular man you're ready um, and I, you know, I'm sure that there'll be some really prolific offenses in the big 12. There always are. We got some great offensive minds in the big 12, uh, but skill wise and talent wise, uh, like you just talked, we talked about today, Baron. we talked about Jaron Thompson, talked about Ryan Clark. I mean, these guys now are going to be veterans coming back. I cannot tell you how, how much, you know, experience, uh, helps you as a player in terms of the confidence and helping improve your baseline as a player. But Terrence Brooks, I I, I do believe Terrence Brooks is going to win the field corner spot. I could be wrong about that. Uh, it could end up being Gavin Holmes. They could end up splitting time with it. I think he's going to win. He's I, I love the I, listen. I love the skill set overall. His dad's Chet Brooks is a D. He's kind of a, a, a DB footwork coach. I, uh, I got a chance to got a chance to spend some time with him and talk about his son a little bit. Uh, he's actually an Aggie, so I won't hold that against him. He's actually the Aggie that came up with the Wrecking Crew uh, label. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's, uh, well, that's, that's what he claims. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, footwork is something for a DB that, man, for me, it wasn't natural. I wish it was. I wish I'd played soccer when I was younger. Or, you know, I think I would have had better footwork. Some guys like Ahmad Brooks, he was great natural footwork. He played soccer when he was younger. Uh, Nathan Vasher had really great natural footwork. I didn't have to work at it every day, try to get my footwork right, not no wasted movement to try to make sure my T-step getting in and out of breaks. Uh, because his dad's been a footwork coach, it's natural. It's ingrained in him. Man, that's why he can get out that break like he did in that Washington game. It was unbelievable to watch him sit that thing down and get up out that break. And I love, okay, you see the spring game when he had to play against uh, Xavier Worthy, the yep. deep ball? Oh, I've been waiting on Bobby. Uh, uh, Dwayne Aquino used to have, Dwayne Aquino was great because he would give you, he always said, listen, I'm not going to tell you how to play DB. I can't. I'm not out there. All right. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a ton of tools. I'm going to give you a lots of resources. You're going to be like Batman with a utility belt. For every situation, you should be able to dig into your utility belt and pull out whatever necessary tool you need. All right. That's applicable for whatever that situation is. All right. That's what Coach Akina believed. In. I'm going to break you down. I'm going to rebuild you based in my own image. So you'll know how to think through the game like me, but you'll have all the resources. So based on the play, I can never say, hey, on this play, you should have did this. No, if you, know, you you decided what was the best course of action. And as long as the play was covered and you covered and you did your responsibility, you took care of that. We were fine. I watched him on that play against Xavier Roy, that deep ball. And he used what Coach Aquino used to describe as the looking lean. Oh, it's a beautiful technique that if you're in phase, in phase meaning you have, uh, you basically have either control of the receiver or a great feel for where the receiver is. And you are so comfortable and you're so confident in your leverage and positioning with that covering that route that you can play the ball. 
Like, it's like, you know what? I got this guy covered. It's time to play the ball. All right. And that essentially he was in phase. He, he, he felt uh, X-Man. All right. With his, with that, with that kind of, <laughs> with that outside shoulder. And he was able to turn, look and lean and lean on the receiver and look back at the quarterback and play the ball. Man, it, it is. That's when you're in perfect phase on a deep ball. Is with basically the receiver's got no room. He's smothered, and I can interfere all I want because I'm playing the football. So I can elbow, I can lean on him, I can feel him, and I'm looking back for the ball. That was a beautiful. It was almost a perfect rep, and that's what you're looking for as a DB. You want a perfect rep. He's one of those perfect rep guys that every now and then he'll have a training video rep, and you'll go, "Damn, I don't know if he can be played better than that." Actually. Yeah, I won the Washington game. I saw in the spring game. And what I want from him is to try to pursue the perfect rep every damn time because it's in him. It's in him. And that's the baseline that you want from a young player where they, they, they're more consistent and you don't have the inconsistency. Let me ask you this, Rod. Uh, you know, one of the things you, you mentioned this stat about Texas being one of the leaders in pressures, but they didn't get home uh, a lot last year or enough, I guess, is the the the, the thinking. Does a better secondary and, and more man coverage on the outside, like you talked about on the, the the field side, does that give them a chance to get home a little bit more often? I believe so. I, I believe that's what they their theory is going to be. I mean, I think that's where the coaches are going. Because remember the first year, you know, Sark and, and PK came here, Texas was, I believe, like 108th in the country in, in pressure rate. I want to say they were ninth in the Big 12. They were one of the worst teams in the country applying pressure on the opposing quarterback and Sark said in offseason man we have to affect the opposing quarterback so they figured out how to apply pressure give uh pk and give bo davis and the coaches a ton of credit second in the country but you're right among the top 10 leaders in national pressures i believe texas is only i believe ahead of north carolina state in sacks um because they didn't even get to 30 sacks even though they had like 277 pressures so I think for the coaches, what they're looking at trying to and, and in the NFL, this is like a long uh, standing debate in the NFL, right? Coverage or pressure, which one you're going to invest in because you've got a salary cap and you can't have both unless you're just really, really good or really lucky. So you can't have both. you got to choose what to invest in. You're going to invest your salary cap dollars in coverage. And that'll that'll end up leading to the quarterback holding on to the ball more than we can finally get home. Or you're going, you know, like Shanahan, hey, I'm drafting, I'm drafting D lineman. I won't D lineman. We'll apply pressure. We'll figure out the DBs later. And I, I kind of feel like that's probably the better way to go because I played with Casey Hampton and Sean Rogers as a sophomore on the D line. And I got to tell you, it was easy covering guys. I had to cover like two seconds every time. It was, <laughs> I really like if, if the receiver, if I'm basically three seconds into the route, Casey Hampton and Sean Rogers are already in that dude's face. We're good. Um, but anyway, so I, I think for Sark, they figured out we got the pressure. So how do we convert those, translate those into sacks? And they figured we got to, and they probably watched a ton of film and said, man, we're right there. We're, we're, we're right there. We're, we're, a, we're a half a second. We're a second away. It's the little mobile quarterback, you know, here and there. It's a vine, a little extra time. And they figure, all right, we can reroute the route receivers initially, throw them off initially so that the quarterback is discombobulated and their timing and execution is thrown off from the initial snap rather than the quarterbacks being able to, you know, extend the play and find the guy downfield, then our pressure will turn into sacks because the quarterback won't have anywhere to go with the football. So I think that's why they want to play bump and run on the, on the outside, on both sides. Uh, not on the boundary. They do it really well on the boundary with Ryan Watts, but they want to play it on the field side too. And that's dangerous, man. And that is dangerous in, my, in the modern day football because you got a lot of room. You got a lot of space to work. 
And the sideline is your best friend when you're playing bump and run coverage. Your best friend. And Ryan Watts, he's got his BFF there all the time with that boundary. On that field side, man, they can put you by them numbers. That means they can go deep. They, they can do it. Basically, the route tree is wide open depending on the quarterback. Now, that's the beautiful thing. You study the quarterbacks you're going to play on that field side, and that can be that, that actually all that space can be your best friend because every quarterback can't make every throw. All right, if you're doing your homework, then you can look and be like, all right, this guy, there's no way he can throw a 15 yard comeback. No, he, he ain't thrown it all year long. He ain't going to throw it against me. So you can almost start narrowing down the routes that they're going to attack and support you with. And the ones that you can be a little bit late on because you know, well, he's going to try to throw a, a deep seven cut. I got time. I got time to get I got time to get back in position on that one. So a lot of that stuff is research, man, being a student of the game, being what I call a, a football investigator. Yeah, I, I, I look my, my thought process here. Is, it sounds just from listening to you um, and use the term tool in the tool belt. Right. It just sounds like PK and the Texas defense, including uh, defensive back coach uh, Terry Joseph and Blake Gideon are going to have more of those at, at their disposal whether that's from a personnel perspective or just guys getting older um, and learning the system more. So I, I'm looking forward to, to next year, I think, or to this coming year, in part because I feel like so many aspects of the team, it's now year three in, with Sark. They understand what they're trying to do fully on defense, I think, which is just a big piece of it. Yeah, they have some newcomers, uh, but it's a palatable number of newcomers. Everybody's not a newcomer, right? Um, and so I, I think it'll be interesting. All right. Uh, that's been Rod Babers uh, talking UT secondary, uh, former Longhorn in uh, a, a really good guy all, overall. Please make sure you listen to him in the drive time. If you're in Austin on the horn, uh, he and Mike Harge uh, always uh, giving uh, their opinion on the Longhorns uh, there. All right. For Rod Babers, I'm Bur Bobby Burton. This has been on Texas football. Thanks. Welcome.